0: This is the Raising Athletes Podcast, season three, episode thirty-two, life after competitive sports with special guests Katherine Johnson and Madeline Weiss. Hi. This is I'm
1: once
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's for real. I know. You're like uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's stop. Hi, I'm Kirsten Jones. And I'm Susie Walton. And this is our podcast. Hashtag Raising Athletes with Kirsten and Susie.
1: Our passion is supporting parents in raising not only strong athletes, but extraordinary people.
0: Join us each week as we tackle all topics youth sports, including everything from early specialization and overuse
1: injuries, to helping our kids feel empowered and learn how to advocate for themselves, not only in the classroom and on the court, but at dinner tables and in their communities.
0: We'll be talking to coaches, athletes, parents,
1: and anyone else who will speak to us
0: (laughs) about their experiences with youth sports and their paths to success.
1: And even more importantly, their failures. Yes, we're gonna get into the gritty details of what went wrong so that we can all learn from it. Teach our kids and ourselves how to do better next time.
0: Because in the words of Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. So welcome to Raising Athletes, because we love to win too.
1: Let's do this. Madeline Veith graduated from
0: Princeton in 2018, where she was a varsity swimmer all four years and team captain her junior senior seasons. During her collegiate career, she was a multi-time Ivy League champion and achieved several first team all Ivy honors. She currently holds the spot in the all-time top 10 for sprint freestyle events at Princeton. She earned a degree in psychology with specific focus on the intersection of gender, bias, and leadership styles. After graduation, she served as the head age group coach for a club swim team near Portland, Oregon for two years. She recently transitioned to a new position as Katherine Johnson's chief of staff at True Self Executive Presence Consulting. Madeline's understanding of and passion for the power of sport are deeply rooted in her 18 year career in swimming as both an athlete and a coach. Motivated by personal experiences with discrimination in college athletics, her ongoing mission is to harness the power of sport to change how gender and race are represented in athletics and beyond. And Katherine Johnson earned her degree from Princeton University and her master's degree from Lewis and Clark College. While at Princeton, she wrote her thesis on Buddhism in America and captained the women's varsity squash team. During this time, she won the intercollegiate national singles championship, was named the USOC Olympic athlete of the year, two time Ivy league player of the year and four time all American. She's amazing. Her experience as a high performance elite athlete informs her approach to her inner and outer game of presence. A great communicator with strategic strengths to create insightful connections, Catherine thrives in collaborative environments and serves as one of few experts in her field. Committed to compassion, authenticity, and personal growth, Catherine believes great things happen when we connect to our true selves and can share a good laugh with each other. Her experiences as an elite athlete, educator, entrepreneur, creative, artist, partner, mother, friend, and lifelong learner inform everything she does. Today, Susie and I had a wonderful discussion with the two of them first time that we've ever done four people on the call and i think it worked pretty well on the podcast talking about how do you transition what are the trans- what are the big hurdles to transition to life after competitive sports please enjoy Hello and welcome. Today on the Raising Athletes podcast, we're excited to have two guests with us today to start off 2021, new year, woohoo, Katherine Johnson and Madeline Veif. But today, before we introduce our guests, we'd like to tell you a bit about ourselves. I'm Kirsten Jones, a peak performance and sports parenting coach. My passion is helping others align their mission with their vision and their values to get what they want in life. I love flow and I love helping others figure out what it is they need to do to create it in their own life. As a former division one volleyball athlete and a 14 year Nike executive, I've always had a curiosity about peak performance and what tools and processes highly successful people use in order to, to consistently improve over time. As a mother of three, a club volleyball coach, a sports parenting coach to parents and their athletes, Susie and I created this podcast to help others who are trying to raise not only strong athletes, but more importantly,
1: extraordinary people. And I'm Susie Walton. I'm the founder of Indigo Village. I'm a mom of four sons and I'm a mother-in-law to four incredible women and a grandma of nine little ones. I'm a speaker and author, family coach, And I still love calling myself I'm an athlete. Um, I've always loved sports. I've been an athlete myself still. Well, now I'm still playing beach volleyball again. I took a tears off, but I was as of this morning, I'm back. Um, My passion is kids. And one of the best ways I know how to support kids is by supporting their parents in um, creating the family of their dreams. And I'm excited to have this crew with us today. So thank you, ladies.
0: Welcome, Catherine and Maddie. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today.
2: We're so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us.
0: So in prepping for this, we had a great call. We were talking about, you know, what, the whole goal of this is to talk about life after athletics. And I think there's this one thing that happens to, to athletes where they, they get going and life kind of happens for them and it looks very easy on the outside. But underneath the water we're little ducks that are paddling and the career goes along and then at some point you get to the other end of the pond and the wall stops and and the game is over. And we're trying, you know, we wanna talk about what happens to athletes. And I think particularly to female athletes even more so than men, men, but it happens to both as to how do we navigate to that next step. Um, So on the podcast today between Susie and myself and Catherine and Maddie, we have, you know, Susie played volleyball in the 70s in college. I played in the late 80s, early 90s. Catherine graduated in 97 and Maddie just graduated in 2018. So I think what's interesting is we all have this similarity and stories about what happened when we went to transition. Um, So maybe Catherine, could we start with you and would you tell us about, you know, at what point did you know, and you went the furthest of all of us, you went on to play pro, pro squash and we'll give your bio in the, in the front of the, the podcast, but what, when did you know this was the end and I've got to figure out what's next?
2: Well, you know, for, for sure, when I was getting towards the end of college, right, I played, I played at Princeton and, and was the intercollegiate champion my senior year. So that was coming up in the spring and seeing, okay. Life is out there, And I really am not sure, because squash and being a student had been a full-time job, what the transition would be like. So I looked at the sport itself, right? What would be those next steps to stay in the sport uh, after college? And I watched other people going out and navigating, you know, initial careers, and I got an opportunity to to stay in the sport. And so I was coaching. After for the first year, I was I I took on a role as a coach. I was able to then also play some professional tournaments and and stay in the sport. Um, And within that first year, I realized, okay, this is I either will stay in the sport from a coaching aspect, which I really did enjoy the coaching. Or it's a time for an, a, a new career. And that that was honestly terrifying because I think I only really knew myself as an athlete and I didn't have the awareness. Um, you know, everyone from the outside was like, oh, well, you've, you're an amazing athlete. You'll be able to just transition that into a career. And I didn't see how that was possible. So my own view of, of how to do that, um, it was pretty murky. So you know, within, by my early twenties, I was grappling with that identity loss, but also what, what do I do now? Cause I knew how to do one thing really well.
0: <laughs> right. And, and Maddie, similarly, right. You're kind of where she was when she came out of college, basically, yeah. you know, can you uh, share your experience?
3: Yeah. I, I never envisioned myself going beyond four years of college swimming. I was like, I'm, I'll commit to four years and then that'll probably be it. It's also just swimming is really hard to go pro. There's not a very clear path for it. So I I just didn't even have that visibility. So I pretty much knew senior year that that was going to be it. And so I kind of compartmentalized my senior year where I was like, okay, this this part of the season is for training. And then this last meet in February. And then after that, I'm going to focus on getting a job for post grad and then I'll graduate and move on, blah, 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 blah. None of which really happened that seamlessly. But um, so I definitely knew senior year that it was ending. And so I was prepared for swimming to no longer be a part of my life, uh, logistically, but then going through that experience was actually way different than I had anticipated.
0: Hmm. And so how did you feel about it ending? Was it, were you happy, relieved, excited about what was next or fearful
3: or all of the above? Um, I think uh, my body was so beat up senior year, like after it was, you know, 16 to 18 years in the sport. And it's, it's a pretty brutal one on the body. I was, I was just so ready to be done. I think, I, you know, when I am nostalgic for swimming these days, I have to put myself back in the place I was my senior year. Cause I was truly so fatigued to my bones that I think retirement was, it felt like it was the light at the end of the tunnel at that point. Um, but at the same time, it was hard to wrap my head around the fact that it was the last of everything. You know, the last championship meet, the last training trip with my teammates. Um, and so, I would say physically, I was ready to retire. But then, after that, especially after graduation, I would say was really when it hit. I think I went through a honeymoon phase where I was like really happy to be not training twenty hours a week and um, just get a break from it all. But then, once the honeymoon phase was over, a couple months after graduation, I was really like I don't know it's almost like a big grief set in where I was like, I was just missing my teammates all the time. I was missing having routine and structure and someone telling me what to do and how to train. Cause I mean, it swimming infiltrated, you know, 95% of my life. It dictated my schedule for me, who I was hanging out with, what I was eating. And then all of a sudden it was like the carpet was pulled out from under me. And now I had to figure all that out on my own, which I'd never been trained how to do. So that was, that was definitely, um, and I'm still going through it like an evolution after graduation.
2: I think that's one of the biggest changes that's hard to anticipate. And I experienced that as well, Maddie, is that the, gr- the grief of the loss, it's not just that the aspect of competing in the sport, it's that ecosystem that you've mm-hmm. been a part of for so long that you didn't even realize what it would be like to not have it there. Mm-hmm. And it takes a little bit of time because at first you're just jubilant that like yeah it's your it's your senior year. You've got life, you're with all your friends. I mean, you're still just in this like buoyant bubble <laughs> um around you and then you know, there's that transition phase, the immediate transition phase until you just realize how much your life has been enriched and and that it's infiltrated all parts of, like you said, the people you've been surrounded with, the uh, the the coaches, the mentors, the structure, all of that. And as that disappears, it's it, it's this awakening to um not just one level of identity change, but like loss on all these little incremental levels as well,
1: you know, for me, because I back then, there wasn't it was scholarships, right? So like I'm hearing you talking, like you guys are so you were so mature on how you looked at it. I mean, even you putting, and I get you were coming out of college versus I was coming out of high school as an athlete. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. And I go off to junior college. But that same thing. Like I had no one to tell, you know, I didn't have to show up for practice anymore. Right. But I didn't even take it to where you guys, I just started going to parties in college and drinking beer and getting fat. Like, <laughs> you know, and also I realized this is not working and then I took that step back and like, what do I, how do I reevaluate? How do I make this work so I can still be an athlete even though I'm not at the top notch anymore. Um, but it's, I feel like, I feel like I was just talking to my friend who came back to volleyball today, playing beach volleyball. She's the same thing. She was a gymnast. And I'm like, well, how was it for you? She, well, I left out when I was in high school, I knew it was my end. But she goes, it was tough. And she's repeating the exact same thing you guys are repeating so many years later now that, but it sounds like us women, especially women, maybe men too, but in this moment, like that is, a, it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. If you're an, a woman athlete mm-hmm. and it's not a, such a natural progression to take that sport and use it to your advantage, so to speak, in, until we recognize it, right. I guess.
2: Well, that's, that's part of the, um, the, you unique experience for women, because I think you're right. Everyone experiences it at some level, but what I've noticed in, in working a lot with professionals who were former athletes, um, there's this, you know, the way the value put on the community and the teammates, and that, that is something as I'm working with women professionals up, you know, up into their sixties and seventies, it's the desire to be in community. And it isn't, you know, that there's only one thing, you know, that being a great athlete means, oh, you just must be a great competitor, that that's what you value more than anything. You know, there's all these other pieces that we experience by being athletes. And it's that connection with others, the working together, the bonds that you create, um, having someone who's got your back, you know, that feeling like just being an adult, you know, all these jokes about what it's like to adulting that feeling that you've, people have your back. There's a lot to that. And when else in life do we have it? at such a wonderful level is when we're competing as part of a team.
0: I think like you were saying, Maddie, too, you knew that that was the end of your career. And like, like you with volleyball, I knew obviously, I, I mean, I, yes, I could have gone to try to go play pro beach or something, but my parents, the whole, all I remember my senior year, and thank goodness they didn't have cell phones back then, but they would call the dorm phone, you know, every Sunday we would have a call or whatever, but I finally stopped answering the Sunday night phone call because I don't know what I want to do. Like I, just, I knew the time was, you know, the, the, the gun was going to go off and you know, I was going to graduate, but I was actually dreading the graduation because I majored in something I wasn't completely passionate about. And I knew I didn't want to go do that. And I knew I wasn't playing volleyball. That was all I knew. And as far as what do you want to go towards? I don't know. <laughs> so if you don't have something that's that um, obvious, you know. And I had a lot of friends, and we going to Wall Street, or we going to D.C., or going to go work on the Capitol. And and I was very envious, not of the jobs that they were getting, because I knew oh go be in pantyhose every day in a business suit like sounded awful to me. <laughs> but I didn't know how to involve sport in my life in a way like back then there wasn't a sports marketing degree. And you know, eventually through wayfinding, I found Nike, but I had to go to Eastern Europe to do it. But it's interesting how we, you know, again, there was no, Oh, I know exactly what I want to do as mm-hmm. a next step. And that's very, can be very overwhelming. Right.
3: Yeah. And I think that's part of the identity uh, crisis that comes with retirement because essentially by the time, if you're, if you're collegiate, you know, you've had like an 18 year career in a sport, 16, 18 year career in a sport. So you're really, really good at this one thing. And, um, it would be so easy to continue on coaching and that, or, you know, cause that would be, a very natural next step. And actually I ended up coaching a club team for two years in swimming and had a lot of fun with it. Cause it was really fun to be on the other side of the pool deck instead of in the water. But yeah, at the same time, it was just like, uh, I spent so much time figuring out how to be really good in my sport. And now that doesn't necessarily translate to the real world quote unquote, because the skills don't automatically transfer. There has to be some sort of um, filtering that goes on. I think.
0: So it's a question nine for you. So what what would have helped you? What tools would have been helpful for you to have on board to, to make a decision about what's next?
3: Yeah, this is kind of a tough question because I think a lot of the reflection I've done has come from realizing what was missing this whole time and being able to reflect on my career. So being in the middle of um, my swimming career, I was, I didn't even realize that um at some point, I would need to repurpose my athletic mindset. So it's almost like stuff is helpful now that I've retired and I can reflect back on it. But I think something that would have been helpful maybe is just, I don't know, some sort of workshop or just hearing more people talk about the thought or the like process of starting to retire and actually get your mind thinking about what's coming next and saying, okay, Just so you know, this is coming down the pipeline. Like your sport's going to end, you're not going to have this ecosystem around you anymore. Um, Let's maybe let's start thinking about the tools that you can repurpose for a career in something, or even even deeper, thinking about what else do you like to do with your limited free time when you're an athlete. Like what other stuff are you passionate about? But at the same time, and I'm I'm hearing this, you know, I only graduated in 2018. Like I don't think we're supposed to have it figured out right now exactly what we want to do. So. This is uh, you keep going and reevaluating along the way, but um, at least getting started to think about how to repurpose what I like to do and my skill set earlier on would have been helpful.
0: What about you, Catherine? <clears throat> what tools should have been available, or what now uh, that you're so far apart away from it, would you like those young? you know, either you're ending. And again, it could be Mm -hmm. parents listening. Maybe your kid ends in middle school. Maybe their career ends in high school. Maybe their career ends in college or pro. Like there's all these different levels where, but still there's so many tools that we get from playing a sport to whatever level you play it to. Right.
2: Right. Right. I, you know, I, I also, I didn't have this, a lot of this is in hindsight, right? The perspective that I had, because I know when I was graduating, I was graduating, um, you know, number one in the country. And I'd been at the top of my sport for 10 years and was representing the U.S. abroad. And I think I was feeling pretty full of myself. I think I felt pretty great. I I was definitely unsure of, um, you know, a career that was coming next. But I also, if someone had come in while I was at the height of my sport to kind of prepare me and talk to me about this, I don't know that I would have listened. Do you know what I mean? Like putting myself back in my shoes there. However, I do wish there had been at least a, some framework or some opportunities to say, you know, here's what's coming up. Here's how you think through, like giving me the like questions to explore, um, to understand, because really I felt like I looked out into the world and there were maybe Th- three choices. You know, I did not even know how to explore. I didn't know how to be a beginner at something. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to be a beginner. And, you know, often we go into college and we know of like three to five careers based on what our parents did. Um, and maybe friends and neighbors. I, I you know, I don't know, uh, how um, what people's networks are like going in, but like my father was a professional artist, my mother had been a professional dancer. Um, I was going to be neither of those, and I had been an athlete. I'd never saw someone in my family work in a corporate job. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that we need scaffolding for athletes, and especially if you're like a first generation athlete because sports provides a ton of structure. And when the, the, that falls away, it is no small thing to have to piece together when you don't even know where to look and what questions to ask. And you're coming from being considered like an expert at something, to how to be a beginner again, and how to deal with that internal disconnect. Cause it doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. Like I will admit when I'm trying to learn something new these days, like my little ego is in there being like, well, I used to be really great at this other thing and I don't know how to be bad at things or just, you know,
3: <laughs> yeah. Like we don't really remember when we were kids and we were actually bad at our sport. All we remember is like the crowning achievement we had <laughs> a handful of years ago. And like, oh, we actually were kind of bad at it at one point and we had to spend time learning it.
2: I'm having, I have, I don't know if it's like a frozen shoulder. I have something going on. And and when we get out of, you know, the sheltering in place, I'm considering like, am I, should I go, should I try to learn it left-handed? And I don't know, or I was like, or do I just start with a new sport? Because what would it be like to try to play in my sport, but play beginners Mm. and be left-handed and be mediocre at it? Like. Can I, can my ego handle that? Or should I just pick up a completely different sport?
1: You know, Catherine, <laughs> that's what I did. Cause I, I was taught to play volleyball right-handed. I played all through college right-handed and playing beach volleyball. I'm like, I'm not right-handed. I'm left-handed. So I totally retaught myself how to. Did you? Left-handed. Yeah. I, I still serve right-handed, but I hit left-handed and I am very mediocre. But I'm also a setter. So that was my excuse. Well, I'm really a setter anyway, so it doesn't really matter what But way. what
2: was that like for you to do that, like, be mediocre and learn over? Did well, you, you have, like, internal struggles with yourself? Oh,
1: 100%. I mean, I'm
2: an oldie, but my
1: competition and my ego are on fire <laughs> when I get anywhere near sports. Like, but you know, you got ladies talking about this. Like, even in high school for me, a Catholic all-girls school, I. I think it would have been amazing looking back to have someone sit down with us athletes that were graduating and saying, listen, this may not apply to you. Now you might go play a little bit in college, but, um, let's look at the, the gifts that you receive from being an athlete and how that you can take that into your life, whatever mm-hmm. you choose to do, mm-hmm. whether it's be a mom or to be, you know, a CEO, whatever, like you, cause I, you know, even to look back took me a long time to look back to see what gifts I received by being an athlete. Right. Um, but I just think, you know, that needs to be available to all agreed all athletes of whether it's out of high school or college.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so that it's, it's less about what you go do with it. It's it's how you navigate and take those gifts with you and cultivate mm-hmm. yourself more because absolutely, I believe, you know, athletic endeavors at any age build so much character. And so yeah. it's, it's less about the, like, you know, where are you measuring up to that? Like, you know, what you do, the badge that you want to put on. And it's more, how do you take those things and make your life fulfilling and 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 change course and use, we talk a lot, Maddie and I about like growth mindset, like to become really great as an athlete, you are in a constant state of growth mindset. But what happens is we can then flip we go through change and we use that to then really feel like we have to prove ourselves and we lock in because it's hard to be, as I just demonstrated, it's hard to be a beginner at something again, but it's the, you know, it, it's. If you the-
1: have those tools, you're aware. So you parents right now that are listening to us, you might think that's great, but how's my kid going to get that person to sit there? And I'm saying, guess what parents, you that are listening, you are that person. Mm-hmm. You can sit down with your your senior or almost senior in high school and like, let's look at the, let's look at your traits, your gifts that you've received through these years of playing whatever sport it might've been. And I would imagine most seniors are going to like, wow, you know, whatever, but you stand them down anyway. It's like, you just, I just want to have the conversation because mm-hmm. you all know once a word is spoken, it's not forgotten. It's some, it gets put somewhere. The story stays. And mm-hmm. so just to have these kids have to, you know, sit down with the parent and, and brainstorm all they've learned through sports. Right. And then they get to choose what they want to do with them then or in eight years, but at least have the conversation, parents, if you if there's, there's not a place you can turn to or, you don't know, feel like there's a place for your kid to get this information. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and I th- I think along with that, um, part of the conversation is about repurposing a lot of the skills. So, you know, to give a concrete example, something that made me really successful in swimming, I think, is like a perfectionist tendency, where I was, you know, I, I didn't want to cut corners on any of the sets. So I was always striving to put in the best possible effort until I was truly so fatigued from the end of a set, you know, I could hardly catch my breath, and that just doesn't translate to the real world, you know, and and working a job like I, like Catherine told me this once that really changed my perspective is that not everything has to be super hard. Um, you can do smaller tasks and have it, you can consider them successful without them being, you know, physically or mentally draining. And so I think the thing to learn from that skill in swimming of, or just sports in general of, um, always striving to do your best. It's that part where it's like, you, you can put in your best effort and that's the skill, but you don't have to go you know, the whole way to the point where your body is broken down, because that's just not a really sustainable way to live the rest of your life. It works in your sport, but it probably won't work in other areas of your life or your career.
2: Yeah. That takeaway is, um, like, I've had to undo some of the takeaways that I'd say are, like, I misunderstood from, from my sport. And one is thinking that everything has to be, like, struggle and endure, right? The withholding, like, as if, you know, if you're going to run a marathon, well, you need to provide yourself before the training and the fuel and the rest, you know, the, and then the recovery afterwards where I've treated things in my life as in like, well, I have to win and achieve. And before I can give myself the nourishment or the nutrition to keep going, do you know what I mean? Like instead of providing it throughout. So that I've noticed that that I took that away from sports and thinking like, oh, everything has to be, I have to be so fatigued that I've mm-hmm. run myself to the bone.
3: Yeah. I spent the first year after retirement training still like a swimmer or attempting to train like a swimmer because I didn't know any other way to train. Mm -hmm. And it was always, uh, you know, I would be running on an elliptical or a treadmill and just really going so hard. And I was, I would be so tired for the rest of my day, which is the life I lived, you know, as a swimmer is like, I was always tired and I dealt with that, but now I'm, you know, doing different things with my life. I don't really want to be tired all the time. And it's like, (laughs) Training that hard isn't isn't really the way it has to be for me. You know, I can I can now choose how I work out. And it's really been an evolution for me to figure out um how to train and enjoy it or how to exercise and enjoy it and not do it because I'm afraid of, you know, like gaining weight or um because I feel like I have to. I feel like that's that's something I've really worked hard on in retirement is getting to a point where I enjoy exercise and it's not something that I have to, you know, burn my body over, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, To your point too, Catherine, about growth mindset and trying something new. There's a new book out called The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler. And he talks about the 10,000 hour rule and and peak performers. And he says it really is your third or fourth or fifth thing that you're trying, um, that you really become... Good at not sweating the small stuff, but it's when you've mastered one thing then you fit, then you get into your mindset that I, I can only do it because I'm good. But when we realize I have to crawl and then walk and then run, and I apply that to every new thing I try mm-hmm. to learn, the best performers are those that can be okay hitting the ball with their left hand, even though they've hit their ball with the ball with the right hand their entire mm-hmm. lives. Right? That becomes this growth mindset of in, you know, being a beginner again, seeing it through beginners eyes versus the ego kicking in and driving the whole process of I got to do this. Perfect. Everybody's got to think I'm a, you know, um one of my favorite stories, but A dear friend of mine is a, a Olympian volleyball player. And I, we first moved here. I barely knew her, but she played for Stanford and then played on the national team in 96, Kristen Keefe. And we went to, we played in a charity golf event and here, I don't know her. And I'm like, Oh my God, here's an Olympian. Like I, she, she was just like in my eyes, this huge, larger than life person. And we, you know, step up to the first tee. And I really, I haven't played that much golf and she hasn't played that much golf. She's like, which club should I use? (laughs) And I'm like, you're asking me. You <laughs> was so growth mindset, like on every. Should should yeah. I change my grip? Like she give give her any feedback at any time, and she had no ego about it. Whereas I'm stepping up, I'm like, well, I got to pretend like I know what I'm doing. You know, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. But we convince ourselves that. Right. I did this thing that's completely unrelated to what we're doing right now really well. Mm-hmm. So i got to do this. No, you don't.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's where the, per- I have to be good. I have to be perfect at everything then. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah th- that's where the I, being overly identified with, with that performance or those achievements then becomes like this cross to bear yeah. that we internal, I mean, we just do it to ourselves. And for
0: the w- women out there, whatever college grads, getting ready to graduate, well, the best advice I got from one of my professors was, "What I said, what job should I go get?" And she said, "Anyone that will hire yeah. you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's all friend, research. Oh, well, what does that mean? And she
0: goes, "Well, you're gonna figure out one of two things: either you like it and you want to learn more about it,
2: or it's something you can cross off your list." Right you know, and that's, that's so huge. That's what, so I wish that's, that's a conversation. I wish someone had seated with me that I think is valuable for athletes is that getting started it's research. Your life is like a lab and you get to take in the data and evaluate. And then if you want to change course, you learn from it. You don't then say like, well, I started down this path. I better double down and prove that I can do it. Or I'm a failure. That makes no sense. Like this is your life. You now get to change lanes if you want.
1: Right. It's your prerogative. And if, and if you don't, as you that are parents, you're, you're, at some point, you're going to learn that you're not that great. It's when you become a parent, like, it doesn't matter what perfectionism you have, or the, you know, you're like, it just takes you to your knees when mm-hmm. you have that firstborn child. And so you parents out there, it's like, you know, it's the same thing that you just said. It's about, you know, learn how you start with crawling and then you walk and then you run. And in the world of parenting right now that you're listening, um it's going to be messy as a parent, your kids are going to be, make it messier. And if you're raising athletes at the same time, you know, you've got to let them have the experience of life itself and all the messiness that comes with it. Mm-hmm. And so, cause I wanted to say, like, if I mentioned earlier about you maybe brainstorming with your Senior, their gifts, but you can't add your two cents worth. and by the way, in that moment, it may not even be worth two cents. but you don't get to add any of your thoughts about what well, why don't you try this or why don't you do that? That's not I don't want you doing this with your kids if you're gonna have to add all your information. This is for them to figure out, and you're to guide them through it and it, and and they'll be messy with it, just like we are as parents. So I just want to throw that out for you parents out there like. It's important, you know, because we,
0: we don't know, know you're we're doing, doing it right so. if you're asking good questions. That's in yeah. helping guide them. Ask them more questions about what it is mm-hmm. they're interested in. Don't give them your
1: opinion about what you think they're good at. Right, and yeah. don't roll your eyes <laughs> <laughs> when they say something. <laughs> like, really, you think you could do that? That won't be helpful, parents. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. The curiosity and questions.
1: Huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so
0: much. I'd love to go on. I I think we could take another whole section and, and blow this up, but let's, let's wrap this up by, you know, you're both high performing athletes, you know, tell, tell us, we like to end with asking our guests, the best athletes I know do this.
3: How would you finish that sentence, Maddie? Um, the best athletes I know treat their bodies like temples, their mind and bodies like temples. Um, I think that was something I revisited and actually in my phase into retirement was I kind of realized how little I had valued my my body as my vehicle in my sport because uh, I think I was just in the mindset of I can just eat whatever I want because I'll burn it, burn it all off in the pool. And that's, you know, I'm just you know, that's probably true, but also I'm wondering how much better I could have performed if I had fueled it better and also trained my mental game a little bit better. Cause I always definitely had performance anxiety. So, Mm -hmm. um, looking at pro athletes now, I, I got really deep into the pro swim world. Um, it looks like they're all really committed to, um, mental game training and also just really great nutrition.
0: It makes sense, right? You put tar in the Ferrari. It's not going to run, right? Exactly. Yeah. Fuel in the Ferrari. Right. Yeah. What about you, Catherine? The best athletes I know do this.
2: And um, the best athletes I know. It's not a do. So the best athletes I know are, yeah. are constantly growing themselves. They're really open and they are, they see themselves as learners all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, they're always looking at what else is possible. What you know, whether it's mind, body, um, you know, their mental fitness. They see themselves very holistically, and then that translates into all areas of their life. So they feel really an integrity with everything that they're doing and how they connect with others. And there's almost like this. The best athletes I know have this this magnetic field around them. That's. Mm. Um, Feels very natural, you know? They're just being themselves and they're not too full of it. They're not driven by ego, but they have it, they strive for excellence. Um, And they're really just wonderful to be around. It's like so great to be in that energy. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Susie, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, I was just thinking what Maddie was saying about the temple and there's there are I know parents out there some of you are thinking there's no way my kids not going to eat junk food or whatever right again yeah ultimate goal is for them to honor their bodies and their mindset but it's again it's a learning and and you as a parent like with my four sons once they got to high school you know they wanted me to take them to eat some junk food and stuff and I could not not allow them to do that, but at the same time at home, I always had healthy organic food. Everything was, you know, I didn't have junk in the house. So all, all I could do as a parent was to provide what I thought would be best for to serve them. And then they had to go on their own journey to figure out how to stay true to who they are and if they wanted to remain being an athlete or whatever they are going to do. So it's, again, it's that parents that you're listening, like you can provide information you can model what you're wanting. And at the same time, life is a journey. And we wish that all kids were like, you thought you would, had wished you might've been mad right? <laughs> you too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, as a swimmer, I ate boxes of Jello jello during, <laughs> you know, during races. I don't think they provide, I don't think they support that anymore in the world of swimming oh. or anywhere, but you know. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> the jello boxes still show up. <laughs> so, anyway, it's just for you parents to know not everybody is meant to be a professional athlete. So, um your job as that parent of an athlete is to guide them, model what you would like for them. And you that have older kids like I do, the good news is that they usually come back to it after kind of waiting through their own journey. And then, oh, yeah, healthy food is good. You know, sleep is good. Meditation is good. So, it's their journey as parents. We're there to support them through all that. But yeah, the goes- Yeah,
0: nutrition or working out the right way or academics or, I mean, my funny story is my senior in high school, or my, now he's a freshman in college, but he told his younger brother, who's three years younger, you know, when he was a freshman, he's like, well, P.S., nobody told me this, but your grades are really important. And I said, Really? <laughs> Really? (laughs) (laughs) That's your sum total of the 25 conversations we had about you getting your GPA up was that (laughs) grades weren't important. So it's funny what they hear us telling them is important. And when the, the, you know, the penny drops, when the light bulb goes on, he's like, yeah, my junior, senior year, I'm like, Really got on it, but you know, but he for somehow suppressed all the conversations that my husband had had with him about
1: getting his GPA up if he wanted to go to college. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so anyway, thank you both so much for being yeah, here. That was really good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this was, was really so fun.
2: fun. So fun. And parents,
1: four, four generations. Woohoo!
2: Yes. <laughs> Go women athletes.
1: (laughs) Parents, thank
0: you for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast and know other sports parents who are raising athletes, we would be so honored if you would go onto iTunes and rate and share this podcast. Leave us a message, let us know how we're doing. We love to get feedback. We have growth mindsets too. Uh, Our goal is to support parents in not only raising strong athletes, but more importantly, extraordinary people who are trying new things, failing forward, getting up and doing it all over again let's do this <laughs> Bye.